back for another episode of the Strange Matters Podcast, where we discuss anything just outside the norm, ranging from the bizarre and unexplained, to the supernatural and paranormal, and everything in between. This is your host for tonight, Eric, and tonight we're going to be discussing two particularly dark disappearances. The first story is the disappearance of Diane Agat. So let's go ahead and get started. It was in a convenience store in Odessa, Florida, that 40-year-old Diane Agat was last seen in 1998. Agat had a psychiatric condition known as bipolar disorder, and she was required to take medications. However, she rarely took them and did not have these with her the day she went missing. Also, she was known to have problems with alcohol and drugs in the past. She had three children and was a stay-at-home mother. However, years after her diagnosis, they were taken from her custody. She was divorced shortly thereafter and was subsequently arrested for minor offenses following this difficult period in her life. On the morning of April 10, 1998, she was seen leaving her home. Three days later, her mother received a call that was left on their answering machine. It was from a woman who sounded like a gat, crying, Help! Help! Let me out! At the same time, a sound consistent with that of someone trying to steal the phone out of her hand could be heard on the line. The alleged agat was heard saying, Hey, give me that, and then the line went dead. The caller ID stated the call had come from a business known as Starlight in the Odessa area. However, when the mother called back, no one answered. Days later, Diane's right middle finger was found with the nail painted red in the same area where a witness had seen her just days earlier. Two weeks later, her folded clothes were found in a bag inside a convenience store's outside freezer. Then, in 2000, after a recent newspaper article had been published about Agat's disappearance, Agat's brother's girlfriend discovered a bag of her belongings in another convenience store. The rest of her belongings were eventually found in a bag labeled Diane. One of the last places she was seen was the Coral Sands Motel, which was run by Gary Robert Evers and his girlfriend. Evers was charged with murder in 2001, where he allegedly shot and killed a man during an argument. Despite having an otherwise clean record, he has been considered a suspect, however has never been formally charged with her murder. Despite talking to over 100 people, detectives are unable to make any arrests. Personally, I find this story particularly dark and disturbing, given that there is a voice recording of a gat essentially begging for her life. Also, the finger was found on the side of the road, so it's not like it was supposed to be found. This might suggest that her body parts were being carried off somewhere when a piece of her finger fell onto the road. But who could have done this awful deed? Could Evers be the killer? My opinion is that Evers was not the murderer, given that while he did have a history of violence, he was a business owner, and there appears to be a lack of motive for him to murder a cat. To this day, the murder remains unsolved. Why did the police not investigate Starlight further? Could this possibly be tied to some conspiracy or some police cover-up? However unlikely this scenario may sound, the following story suggests that sometimes the police are indeed involved in cover-ups. 
This story is known as the disappearance of Vishal Narotra and the mysterious Elm Guest House. Now I'm going to forewarn everyone again, as this episode is definitely on the darker side. However, the facts regarding this case need to be publicized, as there is currently an ongoing investigation into the Elm Guest House. There is a huge child sex abuse scandal that has recently been brewing in Britain, which has implicated multiple prominent and powerful VIPs, and has stirred up some interest in a previously closed case of a boy who was kidnapped over three decades ago. On July 29, 1981, in Putney, West London, on the day that Princess Diana and the Prince Charles were married, an eight-year-old boy named Vishal Mirotra was walking with his nanny to his home in London passing through a large crowd of people when he suddenly vanished. The boy was extremely talented and enjoyed drawing and boxing. He was last seen at a location less than a mile from the Elm Guest House. The investigation was extensive, however resulted in little information and no suspects. The boy's skull and parts of his mutilated body were found by pigeon hunters in West Sussex the next year, which is over 80 miles away. There was no trace of his legs, pelvis, or lower spine, nor any remains of his clothes. Now, I can't imagine what this would be like as a father. The grief one would experience from hearing this about your son is just unimaginable to me. The father claimed that months after his son's disappearance, he received a mysterious phone call from an unknown male prostitute, believed to be in his 20s, who claimed that after Vishal was kidnapped, he was taken to a place known as the Elm Guest House, Elm Guest House is a hotel known to few as a location where VIP politicians would have parties revolving around the sexual abuse of little boys. The boys would be lured there or sold by a local orphanage and drugged with alcohol and then subsequently forced to perform in disturbing sexual acts that I won't go into detail about. However, if you wish to learn more, there's tons of evidence and claims on the internet if you're in the mood to read. Unfortunately, this investigation resulted in nothing, and the father's allegations were dismissed, despite the fact that the father, a retired magistrate, had actually recorded the conversation with the mysterious caller. This lack of action by the police confused and concerned Vishambar Merotra, the father. The police stated they were unwilling to investigate a crime that could potentially implicate high-level politicians and judges. And this is despicable to me. The police are supposed to stand up for what's right. At this point in time, it became clear to Vishambar that this whole conspiracy ran very deep and was tied to a massive cover-up. Given that Vishambar was hardly contacted by police during the investigation, fueled his belief that no real investigation was actually taking place. However, the police claimed that over 20,000 people had been interviewed and 6,000 properties checked. Shortly after Vishal's remains were found, the Elm Guest House was raided and dozens of men were questioned, allegedly. Many of these men were indeed high-level officials and or businessmen. These raids and investigations were linked to the disappearance of not only Vishal, but also several other young boys who had gone missing, and again, they unsurprisingly turned up nothing. However, the newspapers continued to report on these investigations, Pretty soon, they were receiving threats from lawyers defending the high-level individuals in the Elm Guest House. In 1983, 
As the supposed investigation of Vishal's disappearance was winding down, Carol and Harry Kaser, who owned the Elmgust house, were fined 1,000 pounds each and given suspended nine-month sentences at the Old Bailey for running a, quote, disorderly house. I mean, are you kidding me? Running a disorderly house? How about harboring perverts, rapists, and murderers who use their money and power to cover up their sins? I think that sounds a little bit more accurate. But a lot of people are under the impression that the Casers were living in fear of their life ever since the Elm Guest House hit the news. But that being said, if you get yourself into that sort of a situation for money, you owe a duty, in my opinion, to do the right thing, no matter how in danger you may be. Carol Caser is now dead, and details regarding her death seem to be wrapped up in the mystery of the Elm Guest House. So five years after the Casers were fined, Carol Caser provided information to Child Protection Services that boys had been supplied to the Elm Guest House from one of the local orphanages and also shared the names of five individuals who frequented the Elm Guest House. At this point, another investigation was launched and revealed disturbing new facts about the Elm Guest House, including stories of a boy who was run down in a car after trying to escape his abuser. It seems likely to me that the disclosure of this information is what led to the death of Carol Kayser. To this day, the murder remains unsolved. Mr. Marotra and others have brought accusations against the police and local government officials for actively covering up facts and information relating to the guest house and its wealthy patrons. Much of these claims have substantial evidence behind them. However, many clues from the police reports have been heavily redacted, including the names of many suspects and people involved with the guest house. In current news, a secret report recently revealed information pertaining to the murder. The Metropolitan Police recently announced that they were investigating murders that could potentially be linked to the Elm Guest House. The investigation was brought about by a witness claiming to have seen three boys being murdered, including one boy who was strangled while forcibly participating in a brutal sexual game. Despite these recent discoveries, the police have not contacted Vishambar for information. A man named Kevin Allen was the brother of one of the teenage boys who went missing and was believed to have been taken to the Elm Guest House. Kevin Allen recently stated that he, too, suspected a cover-up when the police told him that all the files about his missing brother had been mysteriously lost in a freak flooding accident. Sounds pretty suspicious to me. He also claimed that a police officer told him, if you look too deep into this, you'll get hurt. Detective Superintendent Dave Gaylor of Sussex Police said he had been asked to look into the eight cases in the hope there might be enough evidence to reopen them. Mr. Gaylor also said he would be looking at the files to see if there were any items which, thanks to advances in forensic science, could now produce vital evidence. The Attorney General has said he would back an investigation into the allegations if there was any evidence to support the claims. Jeremy Wright, speaking in the Commons, said, My view is that the Crown Prosecution Service should pursue cases where the evidence exists to wherever the evidence leads that is regardless of the position held by the person being investigated. And if evidence is brought to light to justify such an investigation, I would expect it to be carried out. The prevailing theory that regards Vishal's disappearance revolves around a man known as Sidney Cook. This is an individual who is alleged to be connected with the Elm Guest House. 
He was in charge of a child abuse gang that has been linked to the former UK government minister, Sir Leon Bertan, and is believed to have supplied boys to top officials. UK police are aware that top police officials have covered up links between Cook and the death of the nine boys, and that a recent report indicates a serious level of corruption apparent in the 1980s and later. One police report linked a dozen murdered boys to Cook, including Vishal Marotra. However, this case was not followed up on. Cook was convicted in the murder of Jason Swift and did a rather short stay in jail. He was also named as a murderer of Mark Tildesley in the late 1980s. However, he was never convicted of this case. The similarities between the killing of these boys and Vishal are almost irrefutable. The thought is that Cook was the one who snatched Vishal off the streets on Princess Diana's wedding day. His name was mentioned at least eight times in a police report. However, this report was heavily censored. Cook is currently serving two life sentences after being charged for 18 sexual offenses that occurred between 1972 and 1981. However, Cook is thought to have never been questioned regarding Vishal's disappearance, despite extremely convincing evidence. If for no other reason, Vishambar deserves closure than the truth. So why did the hunt for his son's killer come to such an abrupt stop, and why were so many suspects not questioned? The police said if there was new evidence that the case would be reopened. But what if this information is actually new, and how much have the police already known? I think in this case, all the evidence points to a huge police cover-up in order to protect the super-rich VIP individuals and support their disgusting habits. I just don't understand how anyone could protect people like this. Thanks for listening, everyone. Strange Matters Podcast has recently joined the Dark Myths Collective of Podcasts. This collection of high-quality shows covers a wide range of topics. There are a few other podcasts similar to ours that deal with myths and legends, along with a number of excellent history-based programs and even a few creepy fictional shows. If you're looking for a few other very good podcasts, please check out the whole list of shows at darkmyths.org. If you have any suggestions of other topics you would like for us to discuss, please send your ideas to us at strangematterspodcast at gmail.com. You can comment, listen, or download our episode at our website, strangematterspodcast.com. If you would like to follow us on social media, we have a Facebook page and Twitter. Also, if you happen to be listening on iTunes and enjoy the show, please leave us a rating and review. It means a lot to us. Finally, if you have a few minutes to spare and would like to give us feedback, we have a listener survey going on. You can find links on this episode's posts on our website and through our social media. Until next time, take it easy.